1: Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show, Dr. John Phillips was called in this morning into the cath lab for a potential surgical procedure to save a leg. It's what he does. He's on call this weekend. So let's just hope and pray that he saves this leg and the person can walk right out of the hospital with new fresh blood flow to their legs, to their feet. He may pop in at some point during the show um, so we'll just wait and see but meantime welcome 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 today we're going to be focusing on the circulation issues speaking of circulation that is impacting college football coach and former NFL star Dion Sanders as we recognize that millions of people across the country may relate to his symptoms and want to learn more about it. What's most important is that we first call it by name, which was omitted from the discussion as well as the articles covering the story, the video that was online, that was posted by Deion Sanders and his healthcare team. We'll get into a possible reason why the name of it might've been omitted. There's a little technicality in there um, that could explain that. But overall, in a broad perspective, We call this circulation issue that is impacting Dion and so many millions of others, peripheral artery disease or PAD. Sometimes we also just call it PAD. um, With its advanced stage being critical limb ischemia or CLI, sometimes also known as critical limb threatening ischemia or CLTI, which is really what Dion is facing PAD is characterized as plaque, such as blood clots or calcium, that is built up in the arteries, mainly in the legs that restricts blood flow to the feet. Symptoms may include leg pain, leg cramps, neuropathy, with CLI or CLTI, the most advanced stage, presenting with pain at rest, non-healing wounds, which is really what Dion um, has faced, and possibly even gangrene. Now, secondly, we find it important to share the standard treatment protocols for this circulation issue, which really were not evident in the discussion on the video that was presented on social media by Dion and his healthcare team. And we really feel that they're important for not only Dion to know, but also all of you in order to reduce the risk of amputation because of it. We have with us today, vascular surgeon, Dr. James Antazana. From Charlotte, North Carolina. And we also have vascular surgeon and secretary of the Society for Vascular Surgery, Dr. William Schutz out of Plano, Texas. We might be joined by a few more um, vascular specialists, including Dr. John Phillips, but we will wait and see. Thank you so much, though. Meantime, Dr. Antizana, Dr. Schutz, for joining us. This is going to be a pretty powerful discussion.
3: And definitely looking forward to the next hour.
2: So thank
3: we, you, Kim. Likewise.
2: Yeah. So and feel free. This is a discussion. So jump in anytime. If any listeners do want to call in as well with questions or insight, the number is one 367 5329 Grab a pen, write it down, put it in your phone. one 367 5329 call with questions, concerns, stories, experience, insights, whatever you might have. This is uh, dialogue, not me talking at any one of you. We're all here to learn. But I think we should start with the latest on Deion Sanders. And what I've heard so far is at least his first surgery he had yesterday um, was a success. The first one actually in this this latest um, run of surgeries that he has. Um, and they went in and they supposedly unblocked one of the arteries um, in his thigh. So that's really good. He has another blood clot in his other leg, which they're going to be scheduling another procedure, hopefully, to take care about take care of that as well. But really, starting this discussion overall, it really stems from his first video, which caused a stir with so many friends, colleagues, and even doctors who specialize in treating PAD who were concerned that his vascular surgeon stating in the video that it just wasn't worth attempting to restore blood flow because the vessels would only close up. So amputation just was imminent. Big risk factor for PAD. But Then Dion released a second video saying amputation was never on the table. And in fact, he would undergo an attempt to remove the blockages um, in his legs Friday, which was yesterday, which I you know, mentioned was a success. And so, you know, I really think that we should start out with Dr. Schutz and Dr. Antazana. you know, sharing any initial concerns following the the release of the video that you feel that are important to address before we get into the basics of PAD, CLI, and um, the standard protocols. Why don't we start with you, Dr. Schutz? No,
3: thank you, Kim. And I think this is a great opportunity to talk about communication. And uh, without being in the room with the doctor and the patient, I can't tell you what was discussed or how it was presented, but communication is key. And unfortunately, when we get around a topic like this, um, there are issues where the, the, the providers are not very skilled in communicating the whole story correctly to the patient. And the patients and their families are, have a lot of anxiety, and that obviously distorts Recording their reception of the message. So, I think uh, just what you described about the mixed messaging that we're getting, we're hearing, is is a very common problem um, uh, in in what uh, what goes on in patients being uh, evaluated and treated for for PAD. So, uh, it, the communication has to be. Very clear and distinct and on both ends, and that's I would encourage any 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 patient or, or family member that has any hesitation, any uncertainty about what's being discussed to, to to slow down the conversation and make sure that the person giving them that information is clear and they understand exactly what's being said and and they're, and, and, and they're not misunderstanding and thinking that it's hopeless to go on. Um, uh, uh, when when in fact we're able to save the majority of limbs, unless their their disease presents very very late and very very advanced, um, and there's so, so much tissue loss that uh, it's it's really too late.
2: Yes, and and Doctor Hernandez, Doctor Schutz brings up a really good point in regards to communication because after his Dion's second video was released this past week, one of his colleague one is it, one of his fellow football buddies um, from another team was going out and broadcasting that, oh, my gosh, you know, he's got a blood clot in his groin. Oh, my gosh. might as well cut off the leg versus his groin? You got to do this. Oh, man. And so that's not a really good message when it comes to PAD to be sharing. And it just speaks, you know, to me that, yes, there was a communication issue. Um, You can go ahead and unmute. And what do you think, Dr. Antezana?
4: Well, yeah, obviously, you know, communication. Gig- can get uh, traversed and uh, misinterpreted. Um, <clears throat> people that uh, don't understand the pathophysiology of peripheral artery disease will call a atherosclerotic plaque blockage a clot, which in reality it's totally different. So, you know, um, if people are listening to this and they're like, "Oh, he got a clot," you know, if you're a physician, you're going to think, "Well, maybe he had AFib and he threw a clot from somewhere, or a, or a dissection, or a uh, ulcerated plaque that created a, uh, a thrombus and a dislumbalization." Is it's totally different than uh, just a progression of vascular disease and atherosclerosis in a clot. Um, <clears throat> obviously, um, the understanding of peripheral artery disease is more um, uh, more at our grasp, it's because we can mitigate the effects of peripheral artery disease, and we can prevent thrombosis of you know severe atherosclerotic plaque and save people's limbs. But it's important to understand that these things have to be detected early on, and their and the disease stage, and then addressed appropriately, so you can increase the flow to the lower extremity and 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 save the person either from tissue loss or from rest pain or just severe claudication. So communication is key, and I think physicians need to be able to explain to their patients in layman's terms what they're dealing with so they're not confused and they don't give misinformation to the rest of the community.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Dr. Antizana. And I would just like to add that early detection is really critical in in conquering this disease. Uh, And PAD can be detected very simply uh, without any expensive invasive testing in in a uh, in a uh, in a physician's office. Many times, it can be done just with a physical examination, uh, where pulses are checked and they're found not to be normal or or absolute or, or missing. You can't feel them. Uh, so it can be done just just with the physician placing his hands on the patient, uh, and if a testing is required, again, it's the, the earliest the test recommended is just a blood pressure measurement uh, at the level of the ankle or on the toe, painless, simple, uh, inexpensive, and so early detection is is really the key. And once, even if there's no symptoms associated. Uh, But if you have risk factors, say you have diabetes, uh, you have hypertension, you have high cholesterol, you smoke or have a history of smoking, or you have a combination of that, you know, uh, it's very important to get screened. If you're screened and you're fine, then you can relax and and continue with your life. But if you're screened and some is detected, then you're way ahead, way ahead of the game in trying to, to, to beat this illness.
5: Thank you
1: for tuning in to The Heart of Innovation with Kim McNichols and Dr. John Phillips. We'll return after these
0: messages. Welcome back to The Heart of
1: Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We're talking about a disease more deadly than prostate cancer, breast cancer, and even colon cancer. It's Critical limb ischemia or critical limb threatening ischemia, an advanced stage of peripheral artery disease, which is the circulation issue blanketing sports media as all eyes are on college football coach and former NFL star Deion Sanders, who has blood clots that are causing blockages in his leg arteries, putting him at risk for amputation. To really help the public understand this circulation issue, we are devoting the entire show to explaining the diagnostic and treatment options which align with society treatment standards. We have with us today, vascular surgeon Dr. James Antazana and vascular surgeon and secretary of the Society for Vascular Surgery, Dr. William Schutz. Thank you to you both again for for joining us. Um, Let's start with, um, you know, with, with, Dr. Schutz here, because the name of this circulation disorder, what we would call either peripheral artery disease or the advanced stage, which is critical limb ischemia. you touched on it in the in the first part of the show, both you and Dr. Antezana, that you know there are a lot of causes for arteries getting black blocked up, and the society definition from the Society for Vascular Surgery of PAD is it was it's atherosclerosis of the leg arteries versus I think overall in the broader perspective, a lot of us end up looking at PAD as just a narrowing of the arteries that could be due to that atherosclerosis or calcium as well as blood clots and maybe even other fibrous or scar tissue. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, there are many causes for impaired circulation um, and impaired circulation to the legs. Uh, The most common cause is atherosclerosis, uh, which is, uh, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, despite all of the advances in in treatment with increasing uh, incidence of diabetes and hypertension, uh, that the number of patients being affected with atherosclerosis is is rising dramatically, and atherosclerosis can affect any and every vascular bed in the body. And what we're talking about today are, are obviously are the is the circulation to the legs in that part. So the vast majority of patients with impaired circulation are going to have uh, 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 critical uh, limb threatening ischemia or lesser severe um, type of uh, of uh, PAD. Uh, resulting in a condition called claudication, and it's from atherosclerosis. And, and atherosclerosis, as I mentioned, can affect any and every vascular bed, including the brain, the heart, and other organs. And that's why, uh, as you mentioned, that this disease is, is more deadly than many of the cancers that, uh, that are present in our society. Uh, however, there are other, other causes, and it's important for the treating physician to understand those different causes, whether it's a, a clot called thrombosis whether it's a dissection, where there's a, an actual fracture of the lining of the artery that leads to impaired flow, whether it's an aneurysm uh, or whether it's a condition called arteritis. Um, so those are just to name a few. Some of those other conditions that can be caused, uh, the goal is obviously to restore blood flow. But then each of those illnesses and conditions that led to that impaired, cir- impaired circulation will need a different type of treatment of the, of the, uh, of the causative uh, disease that led to that impaired circulation. So it it can be quite complex. But when we talk in general terms, we're really talking about people that have hardening of the arteries, atherosclerosis, um, usually due to the conditions I mentioned, such as diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure. Um, There's a family history, there's uh, exposure to tobacco uh, and then, you know, high cholesterol.
2: And Dr. Antizana, do you want to chime in?
3: Sure, absolutely, uh,
4: Dr. Schutz is uh, totally right. I mean, this is a complex disease and there's many entities that contribute to the impairment of arterial blood flow. Um, I think uh, going back to his previous commentary about you know, screening these patients and communication. I think the first line of defense is identifying this pathology early on at its stage. So we can have a thumb on it and control it, uh, helping maximize risk factor modification, um, making sure that the patient understands their their pathology and their condition and how they can prevent from progressing to CLI or, uh, or, or tissue loss. And uh, I think that's key and education is important um, we need to focus on primary care and uh, enforcing protocols and a- education for them so they can help identify these conditions, especially when the patients have, you know, all these red flags, diabetes, hypertension, history of smoking, uh, family history of uh, autoimmune conditions, arthritis, uh, aneurysms, et cetera. All these things have to p- uh, play, uh, so the uh, primary care physicians, the uh, first, First responders to this type of disease uh, to be able to catch it early on and be able to detect it and be, be able to mitigate it, so we don't get to the point where we're dealing with uh, critical ischemia.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I, I'm actually going to make a call out there that I think to lessen the confusion and, and with the prevalence of so many people having narrowed arteries in, in the legs for so many reasons and without the early diagnosis not even being discovered until they have CLI and they're a toe step away from amputation, that maybe we do formally um, expand the technical definition of PAD because you're going to end up going to a vascular specialist anyway. And it's up to them to figure out why it is actually your vessels are narrowed. But I think that for the public, you know, calling the whole umbrella as we do peripheral artery disease and saying, hey, you have narrowed vessels You need to go to a vascular specialist. The testing is still fairly the same, which we're going to get into the society protocols for testing for this circulation issue in the next segment. But um, I I, I do think that we should end up, and I think from here, (laughs) let's make that call for the broadening of the peripheral artery disease definition so that we, we can end up lessening the confusion and getting more people to the right diagnosis and treatment options.
3: Well said, Kim. And I would like to uh, point out that for our listeners that if you wait for symptoms, you already have advanced disease. But that's why screening is so important. And if you have any of these risk factors uh, that have been mentioned, or if you have any concern that you have ascender disease, please get screened. The best... The best moments I have in my clinic are when I get to tell patients they don't have vascular disease and go on about their lives. So I'd much rather have folks come in, get checked, be reassured, uh, and uh, but don't be concerned that you'll be you know wasting your time or the doctor's time. Please get, please get checked out if you have any of these risk factors at all.
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Heart of Innovation with Kim McNichols and Dr. John Phillips. We'll be turned to the conversation after these messages.
2: Life and limb could depend on it.
1: Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Dr. John Phillips is in surgery right now, helping to save a leg over at Ohio Health in Columbus, Ohio. We're sending the best to him and his team and and the patient that, you know, they'll get up and, and walk right after this procedure is done to improve the circulation in their leg, which is ironic because that's what we're talking about is circulation issues that could put your limb and your life at risk. We have Dr. William Schutz from Plano, Texas here. He's also the secretary for the Society for Vascular Surgery. And Dr. James Antozana from Charlotte, North Carolina, a beautiful new ambulatory surgical center there, um, attempting to save life and limb. And in fact, he helped one of our patients yesterday who has hope because of him, excited about that. But before the break, um, we had talked about the importance of getting Tested and early testing is key, even if you're asymptomatic. If you have high risk factors, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, any family history of clotting, the importance of talking to your family about, hey, have you ever had these symptoms? Have you ever had a blood clot? Have you ever had calcium buildup or atherosclerosis? Do we have that anywhere in our family? Diabetes is another risk factor, um, autoimmune conditions, uh, smoking, even. If you've quit smoking 15, 20 years ago, you may still be at risk, and earlier is better even when you're asymptomatic. So I'm curious, you know, you're the secretary for the Society for Vascular Surgery, Dr. Schutz. What are the society guidelines for proper testing for PAD and CLI?
3: Well, thank you for asking, Kim, and it's it's a stepwise process. Uh, if, if the uh, a uh, physician is concerned that there is a, a possibility of PAD. Again, it starts with just an examination, looking at the patient's limb. Uh, there's there's there are characteristics that you can identify uh, just with your eyes that will give you the heads up that there's some impaired circulation here, and then by actually by feeling the pulses and um, assessing the. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the blanching of the skin, you can get some pretty quick indications as to whether the circulation is impaired or not. Now, if you don't see those signs, but you're still concerned, the first test is always to get a blood pressure measurement uh, just above the ankle and measure the circulation there and compare it to the blood pressure in the arm. And that's just called an ankle brachial index. It's, it's been around for years. It's painless. It's done in the office. Very inexpensive. And in, and in some patients, we also measure the circulation in the toes with a very very tiny blood pressure cuff. And th- th- that's 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 the first workup. Depending on what those findings are, then you can branch out into different areas of testing um, to determine uh, uh, how severe the blockage is and what that blockage pattern is. Everybody is unique in their in their pattern of blockages.
2: And there, it's important to note that. With the ABI test that ankle brachial index, it is possible that if your vessels are non-compressible, meaning that you have some probably some rock hard calcium down there in your, your vessels, you might get that false normal. And it's really important at that point to if you are symptomatic or if you do have these high risk factors to ask your doctor to follow up with a leg artery ultrasound, correct?
3: Yes, great point. Uh we'll be I don't know if people can understand that our 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 beautiful little arteries that are so soft and flexible and can open and close with the heart cycle it can become so severely affected with calcium that it turns the walls of those arteries into a bony structure that just is rigid and doesn't move and so we can't compress it to measure the blood pressure. Uh, and we'll see that the blood, we'll see uh, changes in the in the waveform that show that the the blockage is impaired or the blood flow is impaired, but the blood pressure measurement will actually be normal or even super normal. So there are some clues there. Uh, but I've had other providers with that aren't specialists in in the world of uh, vascular disease that that misinterpret those normal findings, and the patient goes on reassured that they have normal flow uh, and an opportunity is missed and perhaps a limb is lost.
2: And Dr. Endazana, in terms of those patients who are asymptomatic or have few symptoms, what what is frontline treatment? Can we go into the society guidelines for the treatment, frontline treatment for PAD? <clears throat>
4: or sure, thank sure, thank you for asking Kim um You know the guidelines are quite clear and the first uh, line of treatment for these individuals depending on their grade of disease if they don't have rest pain or or wounds in their toes is uh, modifying all those risk factors that could be causing the atherosclerosis. Uh, Putting them on an exercise regimen, uh, walking 30 minutes to an hour a day, uh, modifying their diet, smoking cessation, making sure their blood sugars are well controlled. Now we have a great tool, which is called hemoglobin A1C, that we can monitor how well these diabetic patients are controlled, managing blood pressure. Um, All these things are so important to modify the risk factors so we can mitigate the progression of disease. And yes, it is very important to interpret the studies appropriately and then send the patients to the right channel. And many times primary care doctors will misinterpret the symptomatology and they'll think that because there's a normal ankle break index, and it could be just completely normal. It could be 0.9, one, and these individuals have underlying vascular disease, and the only way to detect that is with the keen eye, and that is sending the patient to the right specialist who understands peripheral artery disease and can carry on to the next level of, of, of diagnosis, which is a arterial duplex examination, and that gives us very, very, very important information, but it's important, again, to identify these ish- issues early on on, uh, do the risk factor modification, and uh, help mitigate the progression of vascular disease. And we're in an era now, and we're, we're living it currently, of information. So patients have accessibility to great information. And anybody in the world, whether you're on, uh, in Nepal up in the mountains, uh, on Mount Everest, or you're in South America, or you're in a, a first world country, you have access to information that'll educate you and teach you how to identify these things and how to mitigate them, which is
3: beautiful.
2: I hear that we have Dr. John Phillips on the line. Dr. Phillips, how, how did it go?
5: Uh, Kim, happy Saturday. How's everybody? Uh, sorry, That's I'm calling fantastic. in. Uh, I just, just just broke scrub. Uh, the patient's, patient's doing well. It was a nice procedure. We did a little hybrid approach with my vascular surgeon. Uh, the gentleman had occluded uh, one of the vessels above his pelvis and then kind of um, threw some clot down to the knee and lost uh, pulses in his foot. So we uh, pulled out some of the clot and put a couple stents in. He's got a palpable pulse now, which means he's not going to lose any piggies, and, and uh, we, we live to fight another day. How are you guys?
2: Fantastic. Yeah, thank I'm Dr. Uh, Schatz and
3: yeah, Dr. Ray. Yeah, really. yeah, great <laughs> job. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Nice save.
5: Yeah, you know, every once in a while we get it right. Well, it, I think it's, it's more
3: gratifying. more than once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and these are these are higher stress cases than, than than normal, right? This is why we like early detection. We like to ke- get to these patients early rather than when they come in more advanced than uh, what could have yeah, been treated in a very elective safe manner. And now becomes an absolute uh, uh, door busting emergency, right? Exactly. Absolutely.
5: So this gentleman had, this gentleman had symptoms of uh, buttock uh, claudication pain when he walked for several months and then woke up this morning with acute onset, um, kind of pain in his calf. He couldn't move his foot and, uh, the foot turned white. And so yeah, we had to see, he had a chronic occlusion of that artery in the pelvis. And so, um, you know, there was clot around it and that clot had, uh, kind of broke free. So at any rate, we, we got him fixed up and, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to him and, and maybe I can call back in about 5-10 minutes here and um, join the rest of the show if that's okay.
2: Sounds good. We look forward to it. Thank you. I'll good luck. Right
5: here. Hey, great job. Okay. Thanks, guys. good job.
2: Care. And coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation, we will have a continuance of this discussion on treatment options for PAD and let you know when you might need an intervention or surgery, such as what John was just mentioning. So stay with us.
1: Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Before the break, Dr. John Phillips chimed in live from the operating room at Ohio Health in Columbus, Ohio, where he had just saved the leg of one of his patients who had a circulation issue which it seemed had an acute onset onset of symptoms which made his leg cold and required immediate surgery to remove the clot um and during the break dr Shutzen and dr Antizana, you had some really good points there um, do you want to chime in um with your thoughts
3: yeah
4: dr Antizana, you can go first Sure. No, this is a very interesting case uh, that Dr. Phillips presented. And this is a classic example of an acute limb ischemia. And it's very important to that when you have a patient with uh, underlying peripheral artery disease that you mentioned that there is a possibility that all of a sudden they can have a very painful lower extremity and they can suffer weakness and uh, ongoing pain and even profound numbness at some point if it is uh, um, if it is a thrombosis. And it needs to, that's a surgical emergency and it needs to be seen immediately immediately by the treating physician. Um We we treat these individuals uh, in that acute phase with uh, a combination of things uh, such as clot busters and uh, sucking out clot and removing them and then addressing the blockage where they started. But the etiology could be complex and it has to be multidisciplinary approach to treating them, uh, having cardiology on board, making sure that these individuals have the appropriate care to identify why they clotted, Because sometimes it may not just be a fractured plaque. It may be that the patient went in and out of atrial fibrillation, and through a clot, or they stop their anticoagulation for AFib, and they clot it up. Um, one of the protocols for my practice um, on my on my patients with PAD and the patients who are at high risk is the utilization of Xarelto, which is a direct oral anticoagulant, and it and at a dose of two point five milligrams twice a day, it helps mitigate the effects of thrombin that are circulating in these individuals and that make them hypercoagulable, helping them prevent these catastrophic conditions. What do you think, Dr. Schutz?
3: Oh, I totally agree. And uh, I'm a big fan of of adding Xarelto to the antiplatelet therapy uh, to minimize thrombotic events in our our, our patients with uh, peripheral vascular disease. Uh, it's um, it's 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 and it 's nice to see the evolution across the country of it as it gains adoption and is moving more and more out into 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 general practice and general usage and it 's just another tool in the toolkit that we have to take care of patients uh, and so when we talk about p a d it doesn 't mean you 're going to have surgery doesn 't mean you 're going to have a stent. We have all these tools now to try to prevent or delay uh, needing some type of procedure done. Uh, and again, we just you just have to be you know under the care of a of a good vascular specialist and 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 embrace the idea that you can uh, co manage your disease by uh, adhering to the recommendations and trying to avoid that trip to the cath lab, avoid that trip to the operating room.
2: But it's interesting that in a situation such as this patient, they were very lucky that they didn't fall victim to the referral lottery or the ER lottery, as we call it, the amputation lottery. Because at at another facility, that patient may not have been as lucky to find someone who is an interventional limb salvage specialist, whether a vascular surgeon, interventional cardiologist, or interventional radiologist, someone who could go in and has the skills to get behind the knee or below the knee into those small vessels into the calf and into the foot to be able to remove some of that clot or whatever is causing that blockage in the critical limb ischemia or the critical limb threatening ischemia. And I've had patients call me from the emergency room saying, I was just told by the doctor, Amputation is the only option, and I say to them, society protocols, and including from the American Heart Association, the br- protocols state that the, an attempt should be made to restore inline flow prior to any amputation. Now, the exception to the rule is life on the line versus limb, and so I'll let you you both uh, go into a little bit on that as well because <laughs> it's really important for patients to know the protocols prior to amputation.
3: No, I totally agree. And, and it's never uh, comforting for a patient to hear that their only option is amputation. And I would encourage every patient or family member of a patient that's, that's had that recommendation, even in the, in the rare instances when it is the correct one to get, to get a second opinion. Yeah
4: unfortunately the second opinion may be uh a problem if you're out in a community where uh there is not a vascular surgery support then you're at the mercy of the physicians that you're there and it's it's sad because not all of us have the same training not all of us have the same approach um experience is very important in this entity and if you don't have and you lack the experience then you your patient's going to suffer
3: Oh, that's a great point, Dr. Andizano. Under Underprivileged communities, uh, uh, underrepresented communities are most at risk, and, and that includes the rural areas where, as you mentioned, there's a limit on the number of providers or availability of providers. And, and while it, it, it's challenging and, and there may be barriers to transportation, if you're, if you're out in a rural underserved area, you, you may have to just make the, uh, make the trip to get into a suburban or urban area to get to that highly skilled provider.
2: Yeah. And that's what we're really struggling with actually around the world is I I think that the society for vascular surgeries and the AHA's guidelines, they can't go far enough because of the still gaps in education of newer, more advanced limb salvage techniques. And so While an angiogram can be performed, there are still a lot of doctors that are not trained or don't think it's effective to take wires and balloons and plaque removal devices below the knee. So they're following following society guidelines by saying, hey, we went in, we attempted to restore flow, but they don't say that they didn't go all the way down to the point of where that flow is truly obstructed down near the ankle because they just don't know how or might be using a certain subset of data that may say, "Hey, it's it's not effective."
3: Yeah, good point. And and it, it's um, I, I'm sure Dr. Hernandez has had the same experience as I have uh, working in you know a southern state with a lot of rural areas around. We're, we're, our phone is always available to do a phone consultation. It's very easy to see imaging now uh, with the use of of, of uh, you know the, the, our phones that can transmit uh, imaging including arteriograms and, and CT scans. So there, there are ways to get consultations um, outside of your rural community with a specialist in a, in a, uh, in a, 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 steel center. Well, coming up. I right totally agree.
2: We're going to have more on this discussion. So much to say, so stay with us. Yeah.
1: Welcome back to the heart of innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips.
2: Welcome back to the show. Dr. John Phillips is still in surgery on one of his patients saving a leg. Today on this Saturday an emergency patient. Um but we're talking about and it's so ironic because we are talking about circulation issues, the exact circulation issue um that is infecting uh, Deion Sanders affecting millions of Americans. And I'm talking with vascular surgeon, Dr. William Schutz and also Dr. James Antizana. We only have a few minutes left in, in this segment. So you know, really what we are trying to do here is we want to empower the patients like the movement for you know breast cancer and the Susan G. Komen Foundation where patients were going into their doctor and saying, hey, I have these risk factors. I have these symptoms. Uh, You know, I need this treatment or I don't need this treatment or I know there's another treatment available aside from amputation. Let's talk about it. I need that referral. And hopefully we can do the same uh, and inspire these doctors to learn the new advanced limb salvage techniques and adopt them and practice them daily. Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, uh, And I think as a patient, you should feel empowered to to question your your provider on their commitment to treating peripheral arterial disease Um, as dr anzana mentioned during the break training education what is their training and education is this something that that they have a rich background in and have them explain how they how their background demonstrates that they have a rich um, background and education in peripheral vascular disease and and then what's their commitment to it how how much is treating peripheral arterial disease a part of their practice. Is that something they do some of the time, but most of the time they're off doing something else? Or is this something that they're totally committed to and it really takes up a significant amount on 20, 30, 40%, or even 100% of their practice? And, uh, and again, also ask them what they think of the guidelines, the SBS guidelines. Um, if that person doesn't know about the SBS guidelines, uh, it might be time to take a step back. And consider is this the right person for you, especially uh, if you're being advised to have a complex um, intervention?
2: I think that that is so important to say hey, what are the guidelines for treatment? For example, we have a patient in Pennsylvania that she has been told by four different surgeons she needs an aorto bifemoral bypass. They've never actually gone in with a wire to see if they can um, traverse the blockage with a wire. And she's a 70-year-old woman with a heart condition when society guidelines actually say that endovascular is preferred as frontline treatment. And if that fails, then you can go to a grander procedure, open procedure. Um, but people just don't know. So that's really important to ask. What about you, Dr. James Antezana? What are some of the questions that you think that patients should be asking to ensure that they're not only getting the the right treatment for them but make sure they meet guidelines but also that they're getting the right doctor with advanced skills
4: well i totally agree with dr Schutz. he he hit it right on the nail i think it's uh, very important to understand the experience for physician you know, has uh, in dealing with this condition. Um, like any other condition, if the physician has the experience and has the volume of patients that he's been treating, he becomes a master at it. You know, it's, he's not a jack of all trades. And uh, that's very important. Experiencing your physician and uh, dealing and managing this uh, entity is very, very important to understand. And again, the uh, fact that we have access to information Access to reviews online, uh, access to uh, the quality of care of a lot of our colleagues out there, you know, gives us that power to be able to decide which physician is the right fit for us.
2: Right. And it has nothing to do with title and publications and how many times they've been on a podium somewhere. It's really their tangible, actionable skill set that should be um, paramount when you're selecting a doctor. And I even would go to the extent to say, I, I want to know your technical skill set. I want to know the tools and techniques that you are using for limb salvage, whether or not they're medically appropriate for me and you need to use them on me. But I want to know that you literally have the most advanced armamentarium possible, such as using an intravascular ultrasound known as IVIS for sizing and placement of these balloons and scents, and to really understand the morphology of the plaque. What type of plaque is in there in this vessel? I think that's really really important do you use different approaches to try and tackle a, ves- a vessel blockage,
1: the like going
2: down from the groin or up from the foot so all really important so if you have more questions make sure you go to www.thewaytomyheart.org to find out more thanks everyone for joining us
1: You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with TheWayToMyHeart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to TheHeartOfInnovation.org. That's TheHeartOfInnovation.org.
5: This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network.